0: Thank you Tim. Good evening. Good evening. How is everyone this evening? If you are if you're new, if you're visiting, I'm Lucy. I'm the associate Vicar here, and while our vicar is on sabbatical, that means that I'm in charge. Um, But let's not worry about that. Anyway, it's wonderful um, to have you with us this evening. And if I haven't met you before, then do come and say hi. I'll be at the back, um, as Tim said at the end. And we're thinking this evening about harvest. We're also um, having our gift Sunday. We have two of these a year. And um, this is the autumn gift, gifts uh, Sunday this evening. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit. As I talk. And I wonder um, today uh, we come to the evening service. You might come because you're not a morning person. Is that why people come to the evening service? Hands up if you come because you're not really a morning person. Yeah, kind of the students. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, anyway, say no more. Uh, students, not, not really morning people. I remember one time at university, um, I was in the similar category. I woke up and it was dark. Not because it was the morning. <laughs> It was winter, but it was five o'clock in the afternoon and it was already dark, so never mind, I can, I can sympathise with you. But I woke up this morning and it was forecast for rain, um, but it was brilliant sunshine. I got to see the sunrise in the morning. It was beautiful, it was amazing. And it makes um, that kind of image when we wake up and see a beautiful sunrise or we, yeah, we get to enjoy that sight, sun, maybe sunset for us in the evening. Um, it makes me wonder... Um, What is it that, why why do we get this? Why do we get to enjoy such a beautiful scene? Why do we get um, sunshine? Why do we get these beautiful moments? Now, I don't know if anyone here is studying physics. Any physicists? Brilliant. Um, So you can correct me if I'm wrong. A scientist would say the sun shines because of a random mix of um, coalescing gases causing nuclear fusion. Is that about right? That'll do. Matt's nodding. I'm I'm pleased with that. That's good. That is why the sun shines. Um, And that's fine, but for me, that's not a good enough answer because if that was all there was to it, then why would the sunshine cause us such joy, um, such appreciation for life, and make us feel kind of grateful to be alive? And it's similar when we hear, maybe we hear bird song. Um, we might go outside and hear birds tweeting, and that is a lovely sound. My, my dad's recently moved house, and he, um, he's got lots of birds in his garden. Um, and he's like a, he's a wannabe twitcher. So he's downloaded an app. Um, And it tells you, if you hold it up to a bird singing, it tells you what bird it is, okay? Unfortunately for my dad, I think the app's broken because every time it says it's a robin. I don't have the heart to tell him, but he thinks he's really good at spotting a robin um, singing. But why do birds sing? Why do we sometimes get the urge to sing? Again, a a biologist might say uh, something along the lines of, well, it's to attract a mate, to um, show their genetic prowess, so they pass their genes on to the next generation. Maybe that's more true for birds than it is for humans, let's not worry about that for now. But, again, I'm like, is that, is that all there is to it? Doesn't birdsong and sunrises and these kind of amazing scenes, doesn't, don't, don't they all contribute to making the world just a more beautiful, more wonderful place to be? in? Don't they all make us grateful um, to be alive? I don't know, maybe that's just me, but that's kind of what I think about it. And I think this, this evening, well, it's not an accident that we, we've combined harvest with gift Sunday. And that's because um, we want to remember as Christians, that it is God who makes all of these amazing things, that God has given us creation as a gift. And it's a gift for us to enjoy, because God is good, God is abundant, God is for us, God is full of life, and God delights in creation. And we know that really a famous passage from Genesis chapter one that describes how God makes the world, it's a beautiful poem Um, And I'm just going to read just from the end of Genesis chapter 1. don't have time for the whole thing. But if you've got a Bible, we're looking at Genesis 1 starting at verse 26. Some familiar words that are going to appear on the screen. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. I love this story. I think sometimes we can become a little bit um, immune to those words because we hear them. We, you know, It's a kind of quite familiar story, but I love it. This is a picture, isn't it, that is full of life and it's full of abundance. And I'm clearly obsessed with this film because it reminds me of the beginning scenes of The Lion King. Anyone seen that recently? I went to see the new one. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Anyway... um, I'm reminded of that, you know that beginning scene where you have all these animals gathering around and coming from different directions, and they're big and they're small. There we go, big and they're small, and there's grass and there's just just so much life, isn't there? And that's what I'm thinking when I'm reading this part in Genesis chapter one. I'm thinking of all of creation kind of coming together. And they're playing that song. I was going to sing it. I thought that was a bad idea. Then I was going to play it. And then I thought I'd be distracted. No, thanks for the heckles. Um, I'm not going to sing it. And the circle of life. Yeah, we know the song. And that song is quite countercultural because actually it's a song that reminds us that we are all dependent and we're reliant on uh, one another and on the natural world around us. We're not um, just by ourselves. That we have a reliance, and everything has a part to play in the circle of life. And that is quite countercultural, I think. That that idea. Every culture tells a story. Every culture around the world that has ever been tells different stories, and the stories are ones that are told through um, the myths that we um, tell ourselves, the, uh, the symbols that we use, the things that we celebrate, the rituals that we partake in. All of these things tell a story. And the story a culture tells itself is one where purpose is given, identity is given. It, the stories explain what it means to be a human being, what it means to be a man or a woman. They tell us what is valuable. These stories give us a sense of what is important. What is the purpose of life? And in the West, in Britain, we, have, we live in a, cult, a country that has grown up, as it were, with a Christian story. It's a story where we have a creator God and we have dependent people, human beings, and a natural world. And that's a story that we've lived with for a long, long time. But that story is being eroded, and it's not really the story of the world in the 21st century, I don't think. There's a thinker whose name is Charles Eisenstein, and he talks about the fact that that story... Is dying, and in, in its stead, we've got a new story, and it's a story of separation. It's a story that says that each human being on the face of this planet is entirely distinct, is entirely separate from the person next to them. They are independent, they are not reliant, and they are set, yeah, separate from one another, but also separate from the world around them. And that's the most important thing we need to know about what it means to be a human being, according to that story. And so in that, that kind of way of thinking about the world, actually everything about how we behave, how we act, what we think, what we believe, is affected, if you think about it for a second. But especially, and in the context of what I want to talk about today, our ability to give and receive and to appreciate gifts is particularly um, effective. Because if we see ourselves as totally separate from one another and from everything else, what that means is we're in competition. From the moment that we are born, we are in competition with our neighbour, even with our family, with the person sitting next to you this evening. We are fighting to get more than what they have got to ensure our survival and to ensure that we are coming out on top. What that means is what is more for me is less for you, and what's less for me is um, more for you. And I want to make sure that I get the most, that I win, that I come out on top. And in that story, is it not surprising that we're in an ecological and environmental crisis, that we have issues to do with the um, massive gap between the rich and the poor if we're constantly competing with one another because we see ourselves as separate? There's no space in that story for gratitude, I don't think. There's no space for appreciating gift. And it basically, um, in that story, it it doesn't just say that we're in competition with one another. It says that if you want to be a generous person, if you want to be a good person, actually what you need to do is to turn that competition inwards and fight even within yourself because your human nature is wanting to compete, 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 have more for me, more for me. So if you're being generous and selfless, you're fighting that instinct. You're just turning that competition inwards. And it's a pretty horrible place to be if you're saying you're only good because you're fighting your inner instincts um, that are to do otherwise. But that's the story I think that our culture is living in. But that's not the Christian story. The Christian story is one where we have a creator, God, who has given so much. To us. We've just read about it. God has given abundance to us. God has given us life in all of its fullness. That's what Jesus promised. I have come that they may have life and have it in all its fullness. That's what he says in uh, John chapter 10. And it's also a story of interconnectedness. We're connected to our Creator God. And our Creator God connects us to nature when he tells us to steward it, to use it, to look after it. And I want us to think about this um, just really, um, uh, really deeply for just a moment. Instead of us seeing ourselves as just distinct, separate, individual human beings in a hostile world, can we see everything, life itself, as a gift? We don't earn our lives, do we? We don't earn the right to be born. We don't earn the ability for the sun to shine. It just does shine. We don't earn water that gives us life. We don't earn our breath. We don't earn the fact that our bodies work in the way that they do. Now, you might be saying, that's fine. I can appreciate that, that, that life is a gift. I work hard. What about the things that I've earned? What about the things that I've got through um, my own efforts, my own money, my resources, my health? I work for that, actually. My status in the workplace or in the social environment? I've worked for that. Well, I'll throw back to you the question, well, where did your capacity to work hard come from? Where did your intelligence come from? Come from? Who gave you your creativity? We don't earn these things. Actually, even our intelligence itself, all of these things are given to us. And when we start to see life in this way, if when we start to um, think about the fact that everything we have is a gift, we become grateful. We're grateful because we get to enjoy all that we have given. And that makes us want to be generous, doesn't it? We want to be generous in return. Think about the last time you received a gift. Maybe it was your birthday recently. Maybe you got the gift of um, a lovely evening out with a special friend or your partner. Maybe it was the gift of someone coming to babysit for you so you could go out for a change. Maybe someone wrote you a really nice card which you really appreciated what was the last gift you received? I love the gift of being out in nature. I love it. I like to go on um, not too long walks. I'm not up to that. Um, in nature, I like to see the trees, smell the air, hear the birds. They're sometimes robins, apparently. Um, I love to be out there. I even love, it might be a bit weird, I love the smell of manure when you're walking through a field. I love it. And I love it because I think we live in this world, don't we, that says that your life is only as good, and you can only enjoy things as much as you can afford. The, uh, the good life, enjoying life, appreciating good things, comes with a price tag. And when I'm out in nature, I, I think, no, it doesn't. This is amazing. This is priceless. This is incredible. What an amazing God that we have who gives us such wonderful things. And when I'm out in nature enjoying these things, it restores my soul. It reminds me of how much I have got to enjoy. And I think of those words in Psalm 23. They're quite familiar to us. When um, King David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Such rich imagery, isn't it? He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And you know, for me, when my soul is restored, when I remember the blessings of this life that God has given me—my health, my relationships, my home, the food I eat, the fact that I am living at all—when I remember also that, on top of all of that, I worship a God who gave Jesus for me, who lived, died, rose again, so that I could have an eternal relationship with Him. When I remember. All of that stuff that I have been given, I can't help but want to be generous in return, because I've been given so much. And I think it feels good to be generous, doesn't it? Do we enjoy being generous? Actually, when you give something away, not expecting anything back, we feel good about it, don't we? And I think part of that is because, deep down, the story of separation isn't the real story actually God has put something within us of himself. Because when we're generous, we're reflecting back a little bit of what God is like. We're learning to be more like God. We're learning more about who God is because we're reflecting God's heart. And that's what God longs to see. God longs for us to respond with generosity. Now, sometimes, and I think generosity can work in in different ways for different people, but there's, there's two ways in particular that I want to pick up that generosity can work. First of all, we can be generous because our hearts are moved with compassion. You know, you're moved with compassion when you see someone who is lying injured on the street, when you see your neighbor in need, when you see old ladies who've got too much shopping and they need a hand. We're moved with compassion. We want to help, don't we? It's a human instinct. It's natural. And we're moved, our hearts are moved when um, we know that we've got a friend or family member who's going through a tough, time. And we pick up the phone. We rearrange our schedule. We make plans. We drop everything. We're there for them. We cook them that meal. We go and spend time with them. Our hearts are moved. And our hearts might be moved with compassion when we see the plight of people in need. Maybe it's a TV ad. We're responding to um, a disaster that's happened in a certain part of the world where people need emergency aid. And we want to donate. We want to give our money and our hearts again are moved. But sometimes it's not our hearts so much as our heads. Sometimes we decide that it's important for us to give regularly, to give our time, maybe, to give our resources, to give our talent or skill, to give our money. And we're going to respond diligently, every month, every year, however often it is, because we want to be people who are disciplined about living a generous life, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. Sometimes we forget that we even do it. We get to the end of the month and we check our bank balance and we think, oh, yes, of course, that's what I give that money to. That's the charity. That's the organization I support. And I want us to think about both of those ways of being generous because I think we need Both. We need to have, we can't, we shouldn't have one without the other. If we rely just on our hearts being generous, sometimes we feel differently about things. We change our mind. Sometimes we're not feeling quite as generous and we might stop giving in that way. We might not respond to that need because we're not really feeling like it at that point. But similarly, we need head, um, if we just rely rather on head generosity then we could cut ourselves off from the fact that God is wanting to stir us. God is wanting to move us in our spirits to respond to this situation. God is wanting us to be his hands and feet, his compassionate uh, people towards that situation that faces us in that moment. We need to hold both together. And that's my challenge for us today. Are we people who live lives according to the generosity of our creator, God? Have we received all that we've got with joy? Do we want to give back in response? Now, as a church, we massively appreciate the many, many ways that people are generous within our church family. People give in so many different ways so much. And one recent example that I just want to highlight of this from the summer was our amazing Trekkers Holiday Club. Checkers is our additional needs ministry, and we spent four days where a huge team of people came along. They volunteered their time, um, their energy, their efforts to spend time with children one-on-one, to spend time with their families, their siblings, their parents, who could just do with a bit of a break over the summer, and we had just an incredible um, opportunity to witness and to minister to um, these wonderful families. But people didn't just give their time. Some people made some amazing cakes. Thank you for people who made vegan cakes. They may not have gone to those, but some of them did. I enjoyed some of them myself, so well done for that. But we had people who were generous in that way. We had people who were generous with logistics, with transport, with lots of different things um, in terms of making this holiday club happen and having an incredible four days. That's just one example. I could go on and I won't. But we have so many people, that's why I wanted to highlight, within our church family who give their wisdom, their skills, their expertise from their field that they are um, involved in in their work life. Who give their talents and who give financially as well. We want to say thank you. and We couldn't do it without you. But um, what I wanted to end with was just thinking about how over the last uh, few weeks we've been sharing with you um, about our vision, our priorities for the next season of church life. And we've made them really simple. We want to see more people come to know Jesus. I think that's something that we're all passionate about. It was great to hear um, some testimony of that earlier. We want to see more people come to know Jesus. We want to make a difference in our communities in Guildford and beyond. We want to be a family of people who are um, being brothers and sisters, who are encouraging one another, who are discipling one another, who are helping one another live lives for Jesus. And we have got loads of stuff already going on to make this happen. And we're seeing the fruits of those ministries, whether it's our homeless breakfast on Saturday mornings, whether it's our new youth initiative, Tribe, which has started, whether it's our pod group for children that's recently begun. We're seeing loads of stuff happen. And actually, there's so much more bubbling away and so much more potential. But we can't do it without you. And we'd love you to consider how you might get involved, how you might be generous um, in making this happen. I wrote to those of you who are on our mailing list just over a week ago, explaining that financially, we're at a budget deficit this year. We've been unashamed about that. That's the that's situation, situation that we find ourselves. It's smaller um, than it was, but it's not as small as we would like. And if we're gonna make our ministry, or make our mission happen, we would love to reduce it even further. And we would love um, to be able to support our ministries going ahead for 2020 and beyond. And so my challenge to you today and what I want to leave you with is what is God calling you to in terms of living a generous life? It might be financial, it might be other ways. But we are worshipping an amazing God. That's why we're here. He is so generous to us. And let's think about how we can respond. Amen.